0: On today's episode, we're going to be talking about A Faith That Can't Be Tested, Can't Be Trusted on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life once all at a time. And I'm so glad to be with you today. And today, I'd like to talk to you about just this simple, this simple statement that I believe is so true. It's in my bones. It's so true, but it's it, it goes something like this: a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And when you think about it, everything that ever is of any worth in life has to be tried and tested. It has to be vetted, so to speak, to see to see what it really is made of. And uh, in these times that we live in, uh, many Christians have really lost faith with just. All the things that happen in the world, and they kind of, you know, all with COVID and the wars and politics and all these things, they've lost faith in the church and in God, in some cases, and uh, and so many have gone their own ways. But how do you know if your faith is strong? How do you know if if you can bet your soul on the quality of your faith? How do you know if if, if for instance? Uh, you know that your faith can survive the furnace, and how do you know if 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 it can survive those impossible trials that throw you on your back and and leave you uh, disoriented? And that's what we want to talk about today: the very fact that that you have to be tested in order to be verified as a true believer in Christ. In fact, if you're not tested, you have to wonder: Do I really belong to God? Because the Scripture is very clear when it says, "God chastens all." Everyone who is a son or daughter, for that matter. and But I want to say this today, that tests and trials reveal two things. The first thing that it reveals is the quality of your faith. And what do I mean by the quality of your faith? You know, whatever is deemed to be priceless has to be tried. It has to be vetted. It, it has to undergo something that proves that it is valuable, right? But it's real. And I looked up uh, on on this great website called uh, Coronet Diamonds and uh, and they talked about the authentication process of diamonds and of gold. And they said this, they said, when it comes to diamonds and gold uh, authentication, there are a few things that jewelers take into consideration. The first is the weight of the metal. Gold is very dense. And heavy. So if a piece of jewelry is light, it is not gold. The second is color. Pure gold is very bright yellow. So if a piece of jewelry is a different color, then it's not made of pure gold. And, and he said, finally, jewelers look at the clarity of the diamond. If a diamond is not clear, it is not a real diamond. And they go on to talk about, they even use like an, an electron microscope it with 1200 power uh, to to look at diamonds and and then once they're they're you know convinced of the authenticity of it they issue a letter of of authentication saying this is a real diamond this is really gold and this is the quality of it so it's amazing how anything of value has to be vetted and i say that to say this that in that Inferior faith will never pass the authentication test. Inferior faith is always hollow and empty, and the color is off, and it has no weight to it. It has no real density to it. And it won't won't hold up under a microscope, under under God's spiritual microscope. In fact, it will reveal deep flaws and imperfections that have not been fixed. But I say that to say this, that tests and trials also reveal this. They reveal what critics what critics say about but the value of that diamond, right? Or the critics of faith, right? In this this case, the critics of faith. I think about people like Nietzsche and Karl Marx and Freud, and how many theologians have have engaged them in terms of their critique and you know with the gospel. And for instance, Nietzsche saw the churches in Europe of his time as nothing more than tombs or sepulchers of a dead God. They were like, their God's dead. By the way they live, their God is dead. It It has no meaning. And he saw Christians as slaves that bow down to God just to get the things that they want. Karl Marx saw everything in a materialistic way in the sense that it's all about getting money, right? Even Christians, they want God to get money, to succeed. And Freud reduced everything, the motives, to sex. And if he were alive today and he saw all of these scandals that happen in churches, right, whether it's Catholic or Protestant, he, he would say, this is my proof, it's all about sex, right? So, but even the media, the media never hesitates to jump on any Christian who has fallen. In fact, the media is always right there, right, to, to criticize and to condemn. And Hollywood uh, has almost always painted Christian ministers and Christians and priests with the same caricature. and that is this: they're all hypocrites, they're all liars, they're all cheaters and so we're better we're better off than they are because being a Christian is not worth it, you know that kind of that kind of thing. And so many of the critics arguments about Christianity, however, are true. And valid, and and they should not be ignored, right? Uh, many within the church have proven to be inconsistent and hypocritical and not right, sinful. So this does not in any way excuse the the fault, the failings and fallings of of the church at large. But there's a problem with the critics that I want to talk about today. And so we talked about Nietzsche and Karl Marx, and we talk about Freud, right? And we talked about the media, right? All these, but there's a problem with the critics. And that is this: that many have judged Christianity only by observing inauthentic, hypocritical, and in many cases people who are Christians in name only. So people look at that and say, well, why would I want that? That's not Christianity. And in many cases, uh, people have broad character characterizations of Christians using this wide brush implying that all Christians are liars. All Christians are hypocrites. All Christians are not worth it. And they just make it look fake. But a question I have is simply this. What about the true and the faithful and the genuine followers of Christ who remain true to their faith, who don't fall regularly into sins, even though they're not perfect? What about the centuries of Christianity that has worked in spite of all the shortcomings we know that Christianity has some serious flaws through history awful things they did in the name of of the cross and in the name of Christ but what of what of the movements and the people in Christianity who remained true and pure and righteous though not perfect you never hear anything about that do you (laughs) you know so a a, a question I I might want to look at today is this What does genuine faith contain? If you were to make a recipe for genuine faith, what would it have? What would it contain? The first thing it would contain is this, a promise of a test. In other words, you will be tested. If if God wants to see how authentic you are, he's going to test you. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, and we're going to be referring to this, but he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials so god is promising you you're gonna have, you're gonna be tried right and in the psalms there's a similar psalms that puts it puts it the same way when it says this in the psalms it says for you O, o god tested us you refined us like silver you brought us into a prison and laid burdens on our backs you let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and water, but you brought us into a place of a, of abundance. And we find that, that in this scripture, that God always tests whatever belongs to him. He tests it. So what does genuine faith contain bes- besides the test? It contains this. It contains joy in the test. This is this is almost like what God is expecting of us, right? And it says it again in 1 Peter one six. In this you greatly rejoice. God is not a masochist. He's not saying be weird about it, but he's saying find joy of what's going to come out of it. We don't love the pain. Who loves pain, right? But we find in, in Romans uh, 5 and chapter 3, where it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Isn't that beautiful when you think about it? That when you when you only focus on the suffering, you don't see what it's going to produce. You only see the pain of it. And you only see the, the, the things that, that are going to, you know, uh, come out of it that are bad, right? So, in a way, um, suffering is given to us thought to authenticate us. But we can't focus on the pain itself, we have to focus on on what's greater than that. So instead of fixating on the problem, we fixate on the promise of God. And so the third thing that that proves genuine faith, or that if you had a recipe for faith, that makes up genuine faith is this proof of authenticity. And we've kind of been referring to that all day, but again, reading First Peter 6 and 7, it says, These have come so that your faith, he's given a reason, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So he gives you the reason why, why we're being authenticated because what we have is, is more valuable than anything else on this planet. Any ore, any ore or alloy cannot compare to the faith that Christ has given you, but that faith must be tested and it must be tried. And so this faith is not of earthly origin. This faith is not like some earthly gold or some precious diamonds that perish someday, even though they're refined by fire. But this faith is eternal in nature. But genuine faith contains one more thing. And I want to give you, and it is this. Praise on the other side. What do I mean by that? I want to close with a quote from from Christian novelist and philosopher and writer, uh, uh, Fyodor um, uh, Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky rather, who, though his, his faith, they say, was not perfect, he was a deeply flawed man like we all are, but he truly believed in God, and he truly tried to follow God in his own way, right? So he said this. He said, I believe in Christ and confess him, not as a child, my Hosanna, my praise, has passed through an enormous furnace of doubt. In other words, his praise is not some shallow, hollow thing that we see, you know, in in just uh worship that is that is surfacey worship. But uh but his praise again, and, and we'll show it to you a little larger that quote, but his praise has, has gone through that furnace. It's been tried. It's been vetted by God to be authentic. And so Christians are not perfect by any means, and we should never hold them up as such. But Christians, real Christians, are vetted by God. So if you like this podcast, please leave a like and recommend it to a friend. And it's such a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, this is our first one for the year that we're doing, and, and uh, we trust that you're having a great year already it's only been a week or so and so check out uh, uh our our facebook and our our youtube channel and we're also on Buzzsprout and and wherever you can get your podcast but we want to grow this channel so please connect with us in any way you can so to next time god bless you